How about a Ryan Wingo future cast to Missouri? Is that enough to get you going on a Monday morning? Well, this plus Marcus Allen's decision day for basketball. All this and more right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And you know what? These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. And yes, our old buddy Gabe DeArmond over at Power Mizzou. Well, he made a, a bold move yesterday. We've been talking a lot about future casts recently. And as I told you people, well, those future casts over on Rivals.com, they're not given out lightly by those analysts. But you know what, Gabe, despite being a few months away from Wingo actually making his decision Gabe made his decision. Very bold. I like it very much. But Gabe did hedge this morning on his website ever so slightly, basically saying that, hey, this is going to give Wingo time to let the play the, the Missouri season play out. And if Missouri actually has a bad season, say they have a, a losing campaign this year, well, then all bets are off when it comes to Wingo. And quite honestly, Fair enough, Gabe. That uh, that actually makes complete and total sense. Basically, what DeArmond is telling you is as long as Missouri has a decent season, makes a bowl, that kind of deal, as long as Eli Drinkwitz is still around, most importantly, sure sounds like Wingo is trending that direction for Missouri. Of course, so much can happen between now and December when Wingo is planning on making his decision. Now, of course... The other player across the state in Lee's Summit, Williams Winery, defensive end, a, a generational-type prospect, according to some. At least a guy who comes around maybe once every few years or a decade, something like that. Certainly in the state of Missouri, the best defensive line prospect you've seen since at least Sheldon Richardson, maybe even going as far back to Justin Smith. But I tell you, Wingo Nwerny... Winery, excuse me, 2024. Now, I think that's the kind of ticket that America really needs to finally heal. Let's let's waive that age limit. But in all seriousness, though, in 2024, if you have Wingo and Winery on the roster, well, first of all, with Wingo, as we saw with Luther Burden last year, a five-star true freshman at receiver can definitely make an impact. So there's no doubt that Wingo would see the field barring injury his first year. And how fun would it be, by the way, to see Burden and Wingo on the field together? That will almost certainly happen because Luther, well, he still has at least two more years in college before he can move on to the NFL. Also think Ryan Wingo, in theory, is a heck of a compliment to Burden, too. He's much more of a guy who's capable of playing the boundary a little bit taller than Burden, playing on the outside as opposed to in the slot on the inside. You know, Wingo, a guy with just an absolute speed burner, but at six foot two, tall enough to go up and high point that football, too. 
Now, when it comes to Winery, again, a guy, like I said, compared to Mario Williams, a former NFL draft pick, by the way, Winery going to be announcing his intentions a week from today. And a lot of people are saying Missouri is the lean right now. Oklahoma people still think they're in it. Interestingly, though, to me, Georgia people seem to think Oklahoma is out of it, and actually Missouri is their biggest competition. So that actually leads me to believe that Missouri really is in the driver's seat for williams Winery right now. But the interesting thing about this young man actually is that he hasn't really played all that much football to this point. He basically started playing either as a freshman or sophomore in high school, I believe. But So obviously that means his upside is still tremendously high. But he also won't be a finished product from day one for any football team. Although I think regardless of who he plays for, certainly for Missouri, and again, in theory in 2024 here, don't want to put the cart before the horse, but hey, for the sake of discussion, I think he would absolutely at the very least be a useful and effective pass rusher for the Tigers from day one, situationally at the very least. But again, one of the reasons he's talked about is this type of generational talent is he's just got the perfect body for a defensive end, quite honestly. The long arms, the twitchiness, the flexibility to go along with the natural size. It's just not something you see every day, and obviously it does stand out on video to to even somebody who doesn't follow high school recruiting particularly close like myself. And as I said just a little bit ago, of course, Williams Winery will quite possibly be picking the Tigers a week from today. But tonight, when it comes to basketball, Marcus Allen, all eyes turning toward that young man tonight at 6 o'clock. All indications are that he's going to be a Missouri Tiger and the top-ranked high school recruit for the Tigers since Michael Porter Jr., ranked just a little bit higher than Aiden Shaw, according to most outlets I've seen. But Allen, not the same type of player as Shaw, although he's very athletic too, certainly. But more of a, a wing player, small forward, slasher, defender, that type of thing. I bet his shot improves greatly under Dennis Gates and his staff. I will say, though, as we've learned before, you never know until the very end. I think a lot of Missouri reporters thought that Matthew Cleveland was heading toward the Tigers at one point before the University of Miami swooped in an NIL school, as Brian Smith called them recently on this program. Well, I wouldn't count out Miami completely, but everything sounds like Missouri is going to land Marcus Allen, a really, really nice addition to what's shaping up to be an excellent, excellent third recruiting class for Dennis Gates. By the way, also Peyton Marshall going to decide on Friday as well. Just as a reminder, the former Auburn commit, big guy pushing 6'10", 7 feet, 300 pounds, classic back-to-the-basket style game. So again, Dennis Gates and company just in on a lot of really interesting prospects in basketball right now. Marcus Allen, the latest to decide, probably for the Tigers here tonight at 6 o'clock. And coming up, while clearly nothing is official, the quarterback position is starting to become a little bit more clear. If you're a Missouri fan, if you just read between the lines just a little bit. And I do want to talk about, of course, Brady Cook and Sam Horn coming up. But first, I want to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs because, of course, 
Yes, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates on the market. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And I'm guessing most of you who listen to this, like myself, already have a LinkedIn profile. So all you have to do is add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And if you don't have a profile, it's easy and free to sign up. So again, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to and faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts, including now on the Sirius XM app. And also on the app, you can find the suddenly red hot, well, relatively speaking, Kansas City Royals in Boston tonight at Fenway Park, Channel 178, or of course, on the Sirius XM app. But we're here to talk Mizzou football and it sure seems like a say a Jake excuse me. Let me try that again. It sure seems like a Brady Cook and Sam Horn battle at quarterback right now. Because let's face it, Jake Garcia, he had his chance in spring football. And well, as far as we can tell, all reports are that he's still lining up with the threes at this moment, meaning he's looking like your third stringer. So in the next I don't know, three weeks of practice, is he going to be able to leapfrog two guys? Mm, Probably not. Because let's face it, I think all of us were hoping, certainly I was hoping, that Jake Garcia's performance last season, the former top 50, I believe, high school prospect, a really, really high-level prospect, went to USC initially, then the University of Miami. Well, the hope was... Well, maybe everything just collapsed around Garcia last year. Obviously, a coaching change with the Hurricanes. The offensive line just had a myriad amount of problems. But it sure seems like maybe the problem was maybe as much with Jake Garcia as anything. I hate to say it because, unfortunately, if you're given the reins in spring ball, Brady Cook was out the entire time. Sam Horn was was definitely limited with his elbow injury that he sustained playing baseball this past spring. Really, Garcia couldn't have asked for a better opportunity. Not that he was hoping for anybody to get hurt, but if you were going to map out the perfect opportunity for him to to seek the reins, to seize the reins, I should say, at an SEC school, a high major school with a big-time opportunity, and a team that has an opportunity to be pretty good this year, too, well, it just seems like it didn't happen. It just doesn't seem like Jake Garcia has it. So, again, a two-horse race here between Brady Cook and Sam Horn, and I think if you had to bet today, I think Brady will take the first snap, but I think I think we'll see Sam Horn play significantly. I don't know if it'll be two series on, two series off, that kind of thing. Maybe one quarter for Sam, one quarter for Brady. I'm not really sure, but 
the more this goes along here, it just doesn't seem like either guy has been able to completely separate himself from the pack. So I think you'll see both guys play significant football, at least in the first game, probably in the first two ball games too, before hopefully settling on a true starter week three against Kansas State. And for all the hype being handed down to the wide receivers room right now, well, Eli Drinkwitz not happy about one part of their game whatsoever, and that's blocking in the run game. He says, quote, it's embarrassing for me right now, to be honest. That room has got to be better and to take more pride in blocking on the perimeter. And no block, no rock. It's even near... What the, it's not even near what the standard should be, and I'm not pleased with it in any shape, form, or fashion. Well, that's a pretty clear message there to Peeler, the wide receivers coach, and everybody in that room. Block the ball or you're not getting the football. Seems fair enough to me, but fortunately on the positive side, he had a lot of nice things to say about Theo Wee's transfer from Oklahoma. You know, again, a guy who... Just adding depth to this whole Missouri roster right now. I think, especially on the perimeter, I think a lot of people blamed the lack of deep balls, balls down the field last season being completed 100% on Brady Cook. And don't get me wrong, Cook certainly has his share of the blame there, but also I just don't think Missouri's outside receivers were particularly good at getting separation in those spots last year. You can even say that about Luther Burden last year. Again, he's moving to his more natural slot position this year, and I think he's in much better shape and a little bit lighter this year too. So I do think you'll see Luther hitting more balls down the field from the slot, but I think Theo Wees is the kind of big play sort of player that maybe Missouri hasn't had since the oft-injured Emmanuel Hall a few years ago. And speaking of depth, well, I've noticed a lot of people are concerned that Cameron Johnson, the transfer from Houston, to this point, it has not, it seems he has not been able to work his way into the starting lineup. Well, instead of getting concerned, although that's certainly legitimate, there could be some concern there for Johnson. At the same time, what if Connor Tolleson, for instance, Missouri Center last season, has improved. Well, according to Drinkwitz, quote, a lot of improvement. I think that's been the biggest key for for us is there's been really a whole lot of improvement on the offensive line. I've been really impressed with the way Connor Tolleson has attacked this camp. He looks like he's having fun again. He's enjoying running the show and competing. And again, the word is Missouri just looks deeper at the position. You know, injuries last season – as I've said before, you're, you can be great at a position like left tackle, which arguably is the most important position on the offensive line. Sandra Bullock made a whole movie about the blind side, right? Well, Javon Foster is a pillar on the offensive line for sure. He's going to be good again this season just like he was last year. But if the weakest link of your offensive line is indeed weak, well, it's going to be attacked over and over again, and you really only as strong as you as your weakest link in your offensive line. So just the fact that it seems like Missouri has increased its depth this year with a piece like Cameron Johnson, among others, also some younger players moving up the ranks like Valen Erickson, so that, that's really, really encouraging. Really, of, of everything I've heard out of camp so far, that may be the most encouraging thing of all. 
And coming up on the show once again, Eli Drinkwitz spe- speaks and opposing fans get angry. There's just something about Eli's personality that rubs certain people the wrong way. But I got to say, when Eli talked about conference realignment this past weekend, I thought he made a lot of really good points. So I want to actually play his entire comments for you just to give you the context and give you some comments on the backside of it right after these quick messages. And this past weekend, Eli Drinkwitz was asked his opinions about the current state of college football, especially when it comes to conference realignment. And like a young man about to jump off a bluff down in the Ozarks, he paused for a while, thought about the risks, and then decided, now what the heck, let's take the plunge. So, you know what, let's hear from Eli Drinkwitz. I want to play, I just want to sit out here for a minute and play you his full comments. Hmm. I was really hoping nobody would ask me that question. Sorry. All right, I'm going to say it. I thought the transfer window, I thought the portal was closed. Uh, Oh, that's just for the student athletes. The adults in the room get to do whatever they want, apparently. And it's... um, you know, it's just sad that there's um, – look, I, I, my question is, did we count the cost? I'm not talking about a financial cost. I'm talking about did we count the cost for the student-athletes involved in this decision? What cost is it to those student-athletes? We're talking about a football decision. They based off football. But what about softball and baseball who have to travel cross-country? Do we ask about the cost to them? Do we know what the number one indicator of, uh, of symptom of, or cause of mental health is? It's lack of rest and sleep. Traveling in those baseball, softball games, you know, those, those people, they travel commercial. They get done playing at four. They got to go to the airport. They come back. It's three or four in the morning. They got to go to class. I mean, did we ask any of them? Are we going to look back? I, I don't worry at all about the game. The game is going to be strong. Football is going to be fine. We'll all figure it out. But did we consider the people that we are entrusted to? Did we consider the student athlete? Because then we're asking them to go out on their own to get NIL. We didn't say we're going to revenue share. We're not saying they're getting a piece of it. So that, that's the thing that's bothering me right now in this whole situation is we keep trying to limit what the student athlete can do, but then we act on our own. And uh, everybody's got their own reasons, um, uh, and I'm not questioning any of those. I'm saying as a collective group, have we asked ourselves, what's it going to cost the student-athletes? I saw um, on Twitter several student-athletes talking about one of the reasons they chose their school was so that their parents didn't have to travel. They chose a local school so that they could be regionally associated so their parents could watch them play and not have to travel. Did we ask them if they wanted to travel from the East Coast to the West Coast? Man, you know, I love the game. But every game that I coach, I look up in the stands and find my family. I make sure they can play. I make sure they can be there because that's what I'm doing this for. And and you're talking about volleyball, baseball, softball, track. I mean, all all those other sports, man, they don't get – they're not fortunate in – to travel like the way we do, football be fine. Football be fine. 
is did we count the cost of the collateral damage of everybody else? I don't know. I, only time will tell. But that is my biggest, like, looking at it going 24 hours after, say, did we really think about that? I don't think we did. Um, I don't think we did. So obviously a lot of different thoughts there from Eli, and I have a few thoughts of my own. First of all, just to answer his first question as to does we, did we count the costs to the student athletes in thinking about all of this conference realignment? Well, that's obviously a rhetorical question that answers itself. No, obviously we did not. My question though would be, and this is always my question, what about the fans? Nobody seems to be worried about how this affects the fans whatsoever because I, I just don't know how this grows any fan base, any of these moves. Does this make more UCLA and U, U, UC, USC fans? Does this make more Oregon fans, more Washington fans? Does it make more Missouri fans? Does it make more Alabama fans? I don't know. And to me, this whole day, this whole idea of, well, he says football will be fine. Yeah, sure. Football is going to be fine, relatively speaking, but it may not be as fine in the future as it is today. As we've seen, sure, things like Major League Baseball and college basketball, well, 20, 30 years ago, they were a lot more nationally relevant in terms of you know, the popularity outside of watching your own team, your own school. I mean, be honest, you're a Missouri fan. You're quite possibly a, a St. Louis Cardinals or Kansas City Royals fan if you listen to this, or maybe you're into the Yankees or whoever your your squad is. Be honest, you're watching that squad, but not a whole lot of other baseball these days. Same thing with college basketball. I watched every second of the Tigers last year. How much basketball that I watch outside of that before March Madness? Not a whole lot outside of the stuff that I had to scout for this particular program. So again, to me, just over and over again, it seems to be this binary battle between the administrators and the coaches on one side and then the power brokers of the sport and then the players on the other side. And I, that's legitimate. Don't get me wrong. The players should be worried about themselves and, and all of that. I'm not dismissing their, their concerns whatsoever. I just find that once again, over and over again, the fans are completely dismissed as if they're always going to be there, as if this gravy train is just going to go on forever and ever and ever. And well, Right now, sure, college football is in tremendous shape. There's incredible money washing around. But, you know, after another generation or so, when people start speaking of things that die, well, people die. Your older fans start dying off. My, my children are going to become old enough to be Missouri students one day. Teenagers before that. and w Are they going to be fans of this sport like I was? I don't know. Will the same generation care as much about this? When there aren't the regional rivalries, when there are, maybe it's all going to be the same and it's all going to be all good. I just don't know that, first of all, there's been a lot of talk of, well, who's in charge here? Well, that was supposed to be what the NCAA was doing, right? Clearly, they don't, they've never cared about the fans or the, the interest of the sport long term whatsoever. It's all just about reaming the most money out of this thing you possibly can just a whole bunch of people who are short-term oriented and frankly we're now in a position where while I'm extremely excited about the state of Missouri sports I'm just not all that excited about the state 
of college sports in general. And to Drinkwitz's point about no revenue sharing for the players, boy, that's just one of the ultimate hypocrisies, isn't it? This whole thing is about money, and yet, well, we're not going to actually share any money with the players, any of that TV money. No, that's where we will consider the fans their pocketbooks. Once again, hey, maybe this is the point. If we're if we are silly enough as fans to now be playing for the payer the players directly too, and we're not getting any of their revenue either, by the way, maybe 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 they're right. Maybe we'll never go away and college football fans will just be here to be milked for eternity. But again, eventually suckers like me will die and you're gonna need the next generation of suckers. Where are they coming from? you better make sure you have them. So that would be my point. And again, back to one other Drinkwitz point there, I think his whole thing about, well, what about the baseball team? What about the softball team? All that stuff. To me, that just shows how absurd it is that every sport and every conference and every decision is tied to football. Listen, if all of this is great for football, then let the football programs do it. What would be wrong with for instance, I don't know, the old Big 8 sticking together in terms of wrestling. Wouldn't that be better for the Missouri wrestling program, the Nebraska program, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, all, all that good stuff. But it's not as though Missouri competing in the MAC the last few years before it moved back to the Big 12 in wrestling. Well, and now, by the way, Missouri in the Big 12. Missouri did move back to the Big 12, all you people, in wrestling. So... If it, if that can happen, why can't we just do that for all the sports? Why do all these sports have to be tied together? I don't know. It almost seems like men's basketball and football, at the very least, should just be its own separate department. And all the other sports that are essentially just glorified you know, intramural programs, I, I hate to say it, I'm only saying that in terms of revenue. It's not that I don't think these sports should exist. I just think they should be separated from these big boy sports, the revenue sports that don't really have anything to do with women's college golf and, and the soccer team and all that stuff. Again, not an insult to the women's soccer team at all. In fact, that's actually becoming much more appealing to me as I get older. I don't know. Just It seems like a much more pure experience than what college football and basketball are becoming. But at the same time, I'm clearly the 40-year-old addict at this point. Drinkwitz is right about that. No doubt that the Tigers have me hooked. Again, it's more about hooking my kids, their friends, that generation. You got to hook that next generation because I got news for you. When I was their age, there wasn't a whole lot else going on in terms of entertainment compared to today. Now you've got every form of entertainment you can possibly imagine at your very fingertips. So college football's going to have to fight a lot harder to capture the minds of young people than it used to back in my day. So again, love to hear all of your thoughts, of course, on this topic and any others related to Mizzou football and basketball. Hit me up on social media at LockedOnMizzou or LockedOnMizzou at gmail.com. So thanks for listening. As always, I'll see you tomorrow right here on Locked on Mizzou.